You're listening to episode 82, last one of season three with Dr. Stacey Landreth-Grau, professor of entrepreneurship and innovation practice at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Mazar's Women of Water event. Hi, this is Duke Greenhill, chair of advertising and graphic design at SCAD. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the value of branding and storytelling in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Schiffer. Mazaro's USA LLP, a full-service accounting tax consulting firm, is proud to announce its inaugural Women of Water Summit taking place on January 9, 2020 in Arlington, Virginia. This is a dynamic event promoting industry-leading women and fostering discussions around how to enhance the position of women in the sector. The Mazar's Women of Water Summit will provide an effective platform inclusive of diverse global leadership and insights for the industry, as well as venue to open dialogue and career leadership advancement paths for women. This full-day event will consist of three dynamic panels throughout the day, three water talks tailored after the famous TED Talk format, and what promises to be an amazing keynote address given by Carla Reed of WSSC Water. Topics include cybersecurity, data privacy, diversity in the water sector, finance, water reuse, and more. For more details and to register, please visit mazarsusa.com forward slash women of water summit. Interestingly, though, when you look at how organizations, whether they're companies or nonprofits or government, how they create products, services, experiences, sometimes the human is forgotten. Okay, so the first time we ever gave our 30 ideas and 30 minute presentation was about a year ago. And God, the universe, the force, whatever you believe in, presented this phrase to me during uh, the presentation. And it was that communication is not a project, it's a relationship and the work is never over. And this idea has sort of become like this mantra for us because we believe that so much. And we also talk about how we use design thinking when working with clients or doing our own brainstorming and people are like, uh, what, who, design, huh? So if communication is about relationships and relationships happen between people, Design thinking really is the approach best suited for the subject because design thinking is a human-centric approach to problem solving that begins with empathy, always. So empathy begets emotion and emotion is fundamentally an essential ingredient for effective story. And that's not my opinion, that's based on, that's neuroscience. Design thinking allows us to incorporate human-centric problem-solving with science-based storytelling. That's the rogue approach, the rogue method. That's how we do it. We believe this is the perfect approach to creating communication that help us move the needle forward in some of these absolutely critical areas that we're dealing with in our industry. So what a better way than to introduce this idea to our audience than by having the woman who introduced design thinking to us tell us about it. So. Stacy presented on design thinking during the Certified Public Communicator program that we're always gushing about that we took at uh, TCU here in Fort Worth, and I was instantly hooked. We're firm believers that in order to revolutionize the water industry, we have to rehumanize the industry. Yes, 100% water is worth it, but we don't do what we do or love what we love because of water. We do it because of the amazing people we get to work with in this industry every day. And because we understand the health of a nation full of human beings, people, rests on our shoulders. That's our purpose. And it is rooted in people. So 
Let's learn how to be more creative, more curious, how to work with and around failure and continue to do this work that matters so much. And Stacy is here to help us tell that story. So Dr. Stacy Landreth-Grau is a professor of entrepreneurship and innovation practice at the Neely School of Business and also the director of the Idea Factory at Texas Christian University. Her specialty is design thinking, human-centered design, where she has developed several courses and workshops at TCU for both Neely and Idea Factory. She is one of the founders of Design Frontiers, a professional association around design thinking and creative problem solving in the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth. Stacy has also co-authored or authored more than 30 peer-reviewed articles and two books. She also consults extensively with businesses, nonprofits, and K-12 schools as a founder of Human Centered Organization, an organization she co-founded with two TCU colleagues. So, great combo here, fresh out of our own design thinking brainstorm sesh, so coming in hot. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Wow, so I'm exhausted, how about you? I feel great. (laughs) We are coming right out of this amazing design thinking sesh with Stacey Landreth-Grau from TCU um, and with Greg Wukash and with Angelica Zuniga from uh, San Antonio Water System talking about Catalyst 2020. You ready to get your minds blown? Oh my gosh, y'all. You don't even know. But I'm um, so excited to be here. Uh, we said before you leave, we uh, we want to have a bigger chat. So Stacy, thank you again for taking some more time with us today to mm-hmm. chat with us on, um, on the podcast. Happy to do it. Okay, so normally we ask we ask our guests if they chose water or water chose them, but you aren't in the water industry yet. <laughs> Tell us how you got into the area of design thinking. Did you choose it or did it choose you? Well, I guess after today, I sort of feel like I've gotten into the water industry. <laughs> um, dove yes. right in. Dove right in, no pun intended. Um, I think... A little bit of both, actually. I think for a really long time, I was doing design thinking without really knowing that's what it was. That's what it was. Um, my early part of my career was in marketing and advertising, uh, specifically as a planner, a strategist, and a lot of the tools that we used um, were design thinking tools. And so, um, I sort of rediscovered it a little bit later, and. He, it sort of changed the way I've done a whole lot of things, consulting and teaching and writing and research and thinking. So it's been quite useful. Awesome. I love that. I love that Stacey comes with this added. I mean, and it's not just you, it's, it's design thinking in in general, sort of this embracing failure thing, uh, idea. And so I love that it's all about, it's all about the iterations and how you take what you learn and then apply that to the next time you try. So love it. I love that design thinking is applied to like all aspects of your life. Yes. Yes. I think that is, <laughs> this is true. So cool and helpful. Um, so for some people listening, they may have heard about design thinking, but they don't really know what it means. Can mm-hmm. you um, explain that for us and how it plays out in real life for organizations that use it? Sure. So, I mean, I think in a nutshell, it's just basically putting the human, a human at the center of everything you do. Um, it is a creative problem solving framework. It's nothing, it's nothing that, every single one of us 
can't do. I mean, we all can do it. We all probably do aspects of it. There's probably some parts that some people are more comfortable with than others. Um, but essentially, you start with understanding a challenge. And we we specifically call it a challenge because that has a much more inviting tone than problem. Mm-hmm. And from there, we do some research. And while there's a lot of different um, kinds of research and value in a lot of different methodologies, we want to make sure that we are spending time with people, whether that's um, in an immersive experience where we're really trying to almost walk with them like just to really understand what a day in their life looks like um, to interviewing to just observing what they do so really having a real deep understanding of humans at the core I think is the most important aspect of it and then from there we look at everything that we've learned and we try and craft some clarity from that so that's where a lot of the design thinking tools come in that people may be um, somewhat um familiar with but um, from there we then go into brainstorming which a lot of people have um, some experience with not all good and so we can talk about that later too but um, from there we we try and figure out which ones which ideas from the many 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 that we've generated Mm -hmm. will be the most um, effective and there's a lot of different ways that you can define most effective and then we try something out some things out we create prototypes which really is just a sort of a physical representation of your idea and then you go back out into the field and you get some feedback and so fundamentally it sounds really simple Um, interestingly though when you look at how organizations whether they're companies or nonprofits or government how they create products services experiences sometimes the human is forgotten Mm, absolutely yes Mm. Yeah, and that's one of the things that really attracted us to design thinking was that it was human-centered, human-centric, just because, to your point, you kind of get in, you get in your role, you got your blinders on, you're in your silo, and you kind of forget that end user. And so that's one of the, I love that it begins from this place of empathy or of research of human beings, because Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about how, you know, water is everywhere, care about water, water touches everything you do, but then humans have a connection to everything we do as well. So I I really like that it it takes that human-centric focus. Um, So the first time we heard you discuss this was at our Certified Public Communicator course through TCU, Mm -hmm. which if you've listened to this podcast at all, you've heard us um, brag about that extensively. It was a game-changer for us, yeah. And, um, you know, we've also seen you talk about this topic at the Nonprofit Communicator Conference at TCU as well. And so one of the things that before I knew more about it that I would get stuck on in this idea of design was I would only just think of like that physical aspect of being a designer, or designing mm-hmm. a product and service. And so hearing you take it into the communication space was really um was really mind-blowing for me. So how are you using design thinking in this communication space? I mean, I think right now, um, you know, where you can use it in any organization, anywhere there's a human, you can use design thinking. So it's an incredibly flexible framework. Um, And I use framework as opposed to process because it isn't linear. It's not Mm. supposed to be linear. Um, You know, you can kind of pop in and out depending on what you need. Like even what we just have spent the last couple of hours, we didn't really follow a linear process. We Mm -hmm. sort of went in and out. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's effective. So it's super flexible. Um, So again, that sort of leads it to being really flexible in the communication space. Um, I mean, I've used it in all sorts of different contexts. I think right now, what's been really interesting to me is using it in a social space. So social impact space. So Mm -hmm. working with social enterprises, nonprofit organizations, um, 
um, and even doing some work at, um, you know, at TCU for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. And especially when you're going into doing work with communities that are very different than you are, how do you respect that difference? How do you go in really understanding your biases and your assumptions before you just go in and start ideating right so again uh, really doing the due diligence on the research side really doing it in a way that connects you to the those the end users you can't necessarily do that in a survey you can't really look at data in the same way but I think that's a really important aspect of that and really understanding that user will then help you craft an effective communications plan so in our in our line of work um you know, for, like I said, when you kind of get in your role and you start doing it, you get very end product focused. So, you know, we're thinking about making clean water, treating, uh, wastewater, uh, ensuring stormwater quality and things like that. It's all kind of focused around the water. Um, and so to your point, you just talked about, you really need to get out there and engage with people. Mm -hmm. And in those, industries or professions where people aren't typically used to that and the idea of talking to somebody else about that is like oh god I gotta talk to people what are some ways that you've helped people kind of get around that um and I know that we can't be the only industry that's kind of suffering from that and needs to take a step back and rehumanize ourselves where have you kind of seen some of that transformational change in other industries too well I mean I think you bring up a good point so um you know, there's some elegance and some safety in a nice survey, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you just put it together and Qualtrics or Survey Monkey, and you send it and you, like in a couple of days, you look at it and it's elegant in the sense that you don't have messy data. You can say that 45% of people said X. Yeah. Um, and there is some value in that, right? Um, but I think that pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to talk to people, and, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the first person to admit that it's hard to go and, you know, schedule and talk to people that you don't know, or maybe that's really very different from you, or um, that may have different opinions than you do, right? I mean, just getting yeah. out of that comfort zone and that safety zone um, is really difficult. So you're not alone. Um, and it's pretty universal. You know, it's something that is a challenge for my students too. Um, especially those that have grown up with technology, they're very, very used to having everything on their phone at their fingertips. They get to control the message. They get to control the people they're talking to. They get to control how they're talking to them. So to ask them to put their phones away, to go out into a community, to talk to people, actually talk to them face to face, that could be incredibly scary for people who don't do that all the time. So it is something that depending on the organization and the team it takes a little time you know there's some things that we can do to kind of build up some of that confidence but ultimately um, hearing the stories of people um, and really trying to understand those stories behind the numbers or the data Mm -hmm. I think is really transformational and and in terms of developing ideas and eventually programs or products or services that are really useful for people yeah I, I feel if, if you're not getting out there as uncomfortable as it is, if you're not getting out there and actually engaging with your audience, then you're basically creating an echo chamber where all you're doing is really hearing yep. the same voices around the same table 
when, and I think you said this earlier about how instead of really solving a problem, you're taking an idea and wrapping a problem around it. Yes, Is that what we said? see that all the time. And so that's human nature, yeah. right? A lot of times we see a problem and we say, oh, you can do this and this and this. And we fall in love with our ideas. Mm. And that's something that I tell students all the time. Don't fall in love with your ideas. They're not, it's not going to be a good, it's not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the other day we went through this whole analogy of it. You know, when you, and I had a, I have a class of six guys. And so we were talking about how, you know, when you meet someone, you don't start dating them immediately, right? You don't fall in love with them the day that you meet them. You take it a little bit slower because chances are if you fall in love with them right away, it's not going to end well. <laughs> the same thing can be said for your ideas. And so it's one of those things where when we go into ideation and into prototyping, you really kind of want to have a little bit of distance because if not... What ends up happening is when you go out and you get that feedback, if you're if they're saying bad things about your favorite idea, you take it very personally. Yes. Um, and you might not even really be open to that criticism or mm -hmm. that feedback because you really love this idea. So it's I think it's just important to to try and have that space that you can um, create between your ideas and yourself. That uh, reminds me of Ryan Romero, who was a podcast guest, but also a speaker at Catalyst 2019. And um, he said it in a much more direct way of sometimes you have to kill the baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I almost said killing the babies, but I was like, that might be a little. But yes, I mean, in my work in advertising, we would always talk about that, yeah, that you had background, yeah. you had to be ready to kill your babies. Yep. And if you weren't, you're, the client was going to kill it or the account team was going to kill it or the creative director was going to kill it. And it's really, really hard yeah. Yeah, because in that case, you've put in, in many um, instances, hours and hours and hours of time. Um, and that's a, it's a hard deal. You know, yeah. you've got to have a tough skin to do yeah. this work. I mean, yeah. and when you're talking about innovation and when you have to be able to embrace failure, if you fall yes. in love with this idea, it's really hard. And this idea fails and suddenly you're a failure. Yes. You know, why? Why Spiral should you even control. keep on continuing what you're doing because mm -hmm. you failed? So, yeah. I, yeah, it's important. Well, let's talk about prototyping a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, so one of the areas that we get stuck in is prototyping. And this is a significant piece of design thinking. Um, imagining prototyping is such a tangible object or product. Wait, let me start over on that piece. Er, Imagining prototyping a tangible object or product is easy, but how do we prototype communication strategies and programs or customer service issues? And how do you prototype a service? Yeah. So it's a good point. Um, and I would say for those of us in the marketing field, marketing and communications, this is probably the area that we have the least sort of familiarity with, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you sort of think about the entire framework, um, as marketers, we're used to talking to people. We're used to understanding our, our user. We call them customers. Um, we're used to ideation and brainstorming and that type of thing. And for a lot of us, that's where it stops, right? We have this idea, okay, let's go and put it into action. Um, prototyping is important for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, let me dispel the myth that it's a big deal. <laughs> it is, does not require a makerspace. It does not require a 3D printer. You don't have to have laser cutters. Or sticks it, and marshmallows. I mean, seriously, paper <laughs> and a pen. Yeah. Um, what the, you know, When we're doing this, we really start with what we call low fidelity prototyping. And by that, um, I mean literally it is paper. It can be post-it notes. It can be something that is just a physical representation of mm -hmm. your idea. And the, the reason to do it is 
twofold. Number one is that a lot of times ideas live in our head mm. and it takes some time to get it out so that it makes sense. And I don't know about you guys, but there's plenty of times when I've had ideas that are in my head and I get it out and I stand back and go, yeah, that's mm. really not the greatest <laughs> idea ever. What was I thinking? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times when you're working with a team, it's important to get it out because what it looks like in my head might be different than what it looks like in your head and so it's important to kind of socialize that and make sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of what the idea looks like so I think those are the reasons for doing it Um, the reasons that we keep it low fidelity is so that we can do something really cheap and really quick and so if we use paper and pens that is not that expensive right I can sketch something up really quickly get some feedback iterate move on it's not going to cost me a lot of time i haven't burned a lot of cash mm-hmm. and we do that we do several rounds of that until we get to the point where yes now we do need to build something a little bit more robust for services and for communication strategies honestly a lot of times it ends at low fidelity right so we can use things like just simple sketches thumbnail sketches we can use storyboards yeah. we can use journey maps there's a whole lot of different ways where let's say you've got a process mm-hmm. and you're looking at different steps in the process you can bullet out mm-hmm. okay here's what's going on with the user here's where their pain points are and I think importantly here are the emotions that are connected to that pain so those emotions will be kind of think about putting them into one bucket Really, we need to parse those out and understand where are people frustrated, where are they confused, where are they angry, um, where are they delighted. I mean, all of those have different, you know, different foundations and then can um, spur different ideas and different um, prototypes. But I think we put a lot of we put a lot of pressure on ourselves thinking it's got to be this big thing when really it can be super simple. The goal is to try something. It doesn't matter if it's. fancy I think a lot of people get really scared if I say the word sketch also they're like I'm not an artist right okay if you uh, there's google images download them right print them out cut can them you, out can yeah. you can you sketch a, a stick person because right. that's what we're talking about exactly here. it's not at all the level that I think a lot of people think it is you got a couple um, magazines I know you water people have some water magazines you got some water magazines yes out there, y'all. so the cut them up do what you need to do right <laughs> um so I think it's just a matter of getting the idea out and then importantly getting some feedback on yeah. Because, you know, Stephanie, to your point, um, if we are surrounding ourselves in our safety zones, we're just listening to ourselves talk. Mm -hmm. So it's important for our ideas to see the light of day Mm -hmm. and that they need to have some, you know, we need to have some feedback from people. We need to understand what's working, um, what's not working. Um, Those are important. I think two other questions, though, that are more important are what new questions are brought up Mm. after you explain your idea, because inevitably you might have missed something fundamental that a user says what about this and you're like oh gosh I didn't think glad I didn't yeah glad I talked to you and then I think the other uh, fundamental question is what new ideas does this Mm. kind of help generate because you might get lucky enough to have a user that will give you gold and it'll say stuff Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh I love this idea and you can do this and you can do this and you can do this Mm -hmm. and now you've got additional information additional ideas to integrate into your your main idea and I love that this like I want to challenge the water nerds of the world to take this internally. Like mm. yeah. this is so something that you can transfer internally and through the processes that you have through the, you know, the employees, are they frustrated about this? Like let's use design thinking to walk through this process. Yes. Oh my gosh. Huge fan. 
So basically anything that Stacy recommends to me to check out or read, I immediately do. And one of the <laughs> books that she recommended was a book called Creative Confidence that I recommend to everybody listening to read. Uh, and they in their se- section about prototyping, they were talking about this uh, these people that were pitching this idea. And they just shot like a quick little bit on their iPhone or something mm-hmm. like that um, to kind of show they uh role played kind of this experience that they were showing and then they just videoed it on their iPhone to show it uh, present it because sometimes you can't just explain something right. sometimes you have to demonstrate and show it and even if it is rudimentary it doesn't matter like you're you're showing your idea in a different medium than just written down on paper so i thought that me somebody who struggled with that idea of like how do you prototype a service like that oh duh you yeah show it by making a video. Um, but creative confidence is a great book. Highly recommend it. Um, and then to just continue to beat away at that idea of making sure that we stop just talking to ourselves. You, you cannot like put yourself in the shoes of your end users. Mm -hmm. And so you have no idea the questions that you might get. And as you were talking, you reminded me of that. Uh, I don't know if everyone's done that, that peanut butter and jelly exercise where you have to pretend the other person's like an alien or something that has never made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich ever before in their life. And you have to explain to them what to do, how to make one. Right. And everybody immediately jumps to, well, you take a, you know, you put, go get the bread. Yeah. You put the peanut butter on this one, the jelly on that one, you slap it together, but you haven't told them to get the bread and to undo it and to open it and to take, so and what's bread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's start with the assumptions that out we of bed even this made. Morning? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so when we're the experts that have been living, eating, breathing this day in and day out, we can't even begin to anticipate the questions that our end users have. We have to ask them because we may not even know the questions that need to be asked. So well, you bring up a good point, too. I think that that's, it's an important aspect of this. When you are asking those questions, you almost have to be like a child. Yeah. Like think about your two year old self or if you have two year olds, you remember this at one point. I do. Everything was why, why, yeah. why, why? Yes. And you dig deeper and you dig deeper and dig, dig deeper. And I think that is a really important you know, that's a really important concept that you can adapt to questioning when you're doing this kind of work, whether it's on the front end when you're doing your discovery or on the back end when you're doing your, um, your your feedback sessions for your prototype. Just really trying to go deep and trying to simplify it, I think, is really important. Okay, and let's talk about prototyping with four-year-olds. Cause <laughs> I do that on They're a the daily. best. They're the best. My kids, my kids hate me at this point because every time now <laughs> they have a project, I'm like, oh well, give me a prototype. Yeah, because yeah. they're like, I have to go to Michael's for this. I'm like, I, not until you, I get, I need to see a prototype first. My kids first. came home with a feather for a, for a, um, a turkey to decorate. And they were, I was like, gosh, I'm going to have to go to Michael's and go get all uh-huh. the cool, fancy glitter and da, da, da. They were like, no, our teacher said to use our Halloween candy and buttons and whatever we found around the house. Okay, so let me tell you what we did. We cleaned up the house and found all yes. the little pieces that we could find and create their little feather for their thing but that's that's the beauty of having the four-year-olds in the houses they keep it so simple and remind you like you don't have to get out of your element you yes. can just stay well, within I think, that and I think the other thing too is that you if you do spend time with kids they do this naturally Not we yet. just forgot how to do totally. it mm-hmm. but if you think back Overthink to things. your um you know think back to when you were a kid and you just played 
mm-hmm. and you played blocks and no one you know back in the day and this has kind of changed a little bit but like legos for example you just bought big containers of legos and you just built now you've got them in like oh, you know this particular universes. house and this particular thing but um it was just natural. It's natural to just sit down and draw a picture. You don't have to figure out what it is. And so it's that natural ability to build things. We just, they were just playing. And now Legos we can call it prototyping. So buy some Legos. And right. Oh, I have them in my lab. Totally. Actually, I had um, seniors in college. We, we did an exercise the other day where they went and played Legos. And I didn't know how they were going to react because I'm like, they could think this is really cool or really weird. Luckily, they thought it was really cool. And they were thinking, <laughs> I haven't done this since I was like 10 years old. Right, yeah. And in a way, that's a shame mm-hmm. yeah. because they hadn't really let themselves mm-hmm. think in that manner. And mm-hmm. so um, I think any time that we can do that is is pretty useful for our design thinking minds. Absolutely. Mm. Get those like I want to I'm like, I want to go buy some Play-Doh. Yes. Play-Doh's fantastic. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fantastic. OK, Stacy. So design thinking is more than just design. It's an incredibly effective at getting people to stretch their minds at the beginning of their process. You know, the brainstorming. Right. So a buddy of ours in the marketing space made the comment once that brainstorming is dead. Ben Brugler. Yeah. And thanks a lot, Ben. Um, (laughs) Mostly because we come out with these established opinions of what it is, what it looks like, what the outcome should be. How can design thinking help us brainstorm better? Okay. Well, I I think the the fundamental issue here is that there's not one way to do this. Um, in fact, there's not even one best way to do this. I think it all depends on a lot of different things. It depends on the challenge that you're working on. It depends on the team, the diversity of the team, the interest of the team. Um, there's a lot of different techniques out there. I mean, you can do everything from, um, you know, just simple sort of this, the, the sort of the very first pass is, okay, we're going for quantity over quality. We're Mm. building on the ideas of others, et cetera. And you probably use the classic cliche post-it notes and you put them up there. And, you know, you actually can get a lot of things there. And and that's a great first step. And I think that's probably where most people stop. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, we did the post-it note thing and that didn't work. We did it. I mean, so this this whole thing is stupid and it doesn't work. Um, (laughs) There's a bunch of different ways you can do this. Now, there's if you look at the research on brainstorming, there is um, there are some people that say it's absolutely great. There are other people that say, no, it doesn't work. There are people that says it works in this way better than the other way. And, you know, lots of researchers out there have different um, different techniques. Uh, some of the ones that I have found that have been really useful is um, sometimes instead of brainstorming for ideas brainstorm for questions Mm -hmm. because um instead of just going straight to solutions which sometimes can be pretty intimidating take a step back and start with the questions and you can actually do that not only in your ideation sort of part of the framework we can do it at the very beginning too Mm -hmm. like if i'm starting a challenge i did this with a group of students the other day they're starting their impact challenges And so I said, I need to understand what problem you want to work on because that I think is fundamental to this whole thing. Um, We don't want to start with an idea and wrap a problem around it. We want to really understand our problem. In order to understand our problem, sometimes we have to start with, okay, what do we know Mm -hmm. and what don't we know? And Mm so brainstorming for questions, I think Mm -hmm. is a really good way of doing it. Um, There's a lot of different techniques and tools out there. 
I also think that to a certain extent, we put too much pressure on ourselves thinking that we have to come up with the one. Yes. Um, there is no the one. Right. Yes. Um, there is no the best. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, most ideas are recombinations of other ideas. They just maybe live in a different context and you can apply it into this other context. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think while some people might be skeptics, I think it's because maybe they did one way and then just quit. Um, And I think the other day is the other thing to think about is that some days you're just not feeling it. And there's other days, like I think today we had an incredibly fruitful Mm -hmm. session. Like we were just all, I think the people in the room were excited and sort of had talk about those people in the room that design (laughs) all of you all, um, um, the, this sort of mindset around ideation that people, um, were getting excited about different ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, that could be the group. It could be the fact that it's Tuesday. It could be a whole bunch of different things, right? right? It is Productivity Tuesday. You know, so... Um, that's a thing, y'all. It is. That's a thing, y'all. Write that down. There's even some <laughs> research on um, brainstorming online. I think the important thing about brainstorming, too, is that you want to make sure that you are able to equalize the room. So there are inevitably some people that are more outgoing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they tend to dominate mm, a brainstorming yes. session. And um, and sometimes that's fine. And sometimes it's not fine. I'm sorry. We're getting pointed heckled finger. Right We're getting now. heckled. I need to pause. We're Stacey. not getting the finger. We're getting just pointed just at. Just pointed. In the same finger. room with us <laughs> is the one and only Greg. and also and so she's over here pointing her finger at us saying how we are obviously the loud obnoxious um run of the you know run take over the meeting (laughs) brainstormers and she's like oh i'm quiet and yeah, I'm right. Quiet and reserved. So there, okay. So say, there girl? are there are ways to bring voice <laughs> to people who are a little bit more reserved. Some people yes. are can just think off the top of their head. Some people need to think about it. Like mm-hmm. I know my partner at Idea Factory. He and I actually come around to brainstorming very differently. Like I'm pretty extroverted I'm like oh you could do this and this and this and I'm not saying they're all good I think we talked about that earlier (laughs) but Cedric on the other hand has a tendency to he needs more quiet he needs Mm -hmm. to be able to think things through and let me tell you what some of the ideas that he comes up with are stellar they're amazing so I think it's just a matter of looking at your team also warming up with your team um I know that's not something we did today just because I think it sort of worked with us though yeah but I mean if you're coming in from like a boring meeting and now you're like okay we're all here magic fairy (laughs) dust brainstorm (laughs) you know you're probably shouldn't be surprised if you don't get good stuff so what um a couple things I was gonna say was um Noshley one of our our chief revolution strategist She came in and was like, before we brainstorm, we're going to do, what is it called? It's, she said, it's the uh, judo they chop, did. Yeah, judo chop your body. judo classes, yeah. And so ah, you sit there okay. and you. It's physical. You, you physically like get up and you like basically smack. toes up and you're physically getting a warm up process okay. going. And it just, everybody was feeling, feeling a little weird. Yeah. But it was cool. It kind of put us all in the same like even playing field and then we were like go and our hearts were already racing yeah. our brains were moving so there's like the physical warm-up yep but one of our favorite things that we like to do before we have little discovery workshops and stuff or brainstorming sessions is you know these icebreaker yeah. warm-ups you know kind of like what you would see when you were a kid your teacher had to warm up a math problem on the board and you mm-hmm. had to solve it before the day even began type of thing 
that just gets your brain moving for sure yeah yeah what she didn't tell you is that after we judo chopped ourselves okay. then we danced yeah we learned how oh, to oh we yeah. danced at stanford and dance a lot yes it was um Oh, probably the most uncomfortable I've been in quite a long time. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? And that's the whole thing is you got to get un- yeah. comfortable being, being yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. So what, what's better way to do that? I'm like, dancing? I knew it was coming. I was still like, yeah. oh, oh boy. it's this. Okay. Yeah, I love it. <sighs> no, I dig all that. The only thing that I wanted to say and you talking about sort of our, our expectations of brainstorming is, and I know that in today's fast paced world, we want to do like now, 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 now. But just like building in enough time for brainstorming. Yeah. Because you're not going to have a session and like have the groundbreaking idea at that. To me, that happens when for me, all my great ideas come in the shower. So like for me, like today's ideas are going to be crap compared to what's going to happen tomorrow when I get in the shower. So yeah, (laughs) we got you showers daily. Yes. Um, so yeah, but give, and, and not even just a day, but working in that time to like have several opportunities to get together and brainstorm, yeah. iterate off of what comes just cause that's what I found to be the most effective is like, you're not going to have a two hour brainstorm session come out with mm-hmm. like, no, and if changing. that's the, I mean, that's the way I feel like we, a long time ago used to do things and it was so much pressure yeah. and it was just, it took the fun out of it. You know, before you even get going on a program or a project or anything, you're always you're already worn out by it. And so just giving you, yourself that permission or your group that permission to, OK, this is two hours or however long it is. Um, and we're not trying to solve the problem at the end of this. We're just trying to think about it, give ourselves time to think and then like keep thinking about it afterwards. Right. That's right. something a little caveat. She always tells our our folks that we deal with, you know, don't come in thinking that we're going to come out of this with solutions right it takes a little time yeah yeah i have to remind myself of that because i'm like oh i want to i want to have an answer um so i mentioned the book creative confidence yeah and i love that design thinking it definitely takes some creative confidence um creativity has become sort of this mythical word uh but by design all human beings are creative in my opinion um for me personally tapping into that part of myself is is a quality of life and work issue like Mm -hmm. I need that in my life I think human beings were made to be creative and we all need an element of that in our lives in fact there is this amazing uh documentary on Netflix right now called the creative mind I think so if you have Netflix you should definitely check that out because it was uh it was a really good watch but how do you think we infuse more creativity back into our daily work um, I mean, I think one of the most important tenets of it is this idea of curiosity. Mm. I don't think we we don't have that very much anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we think, oh, we don't have time or it doesn't matter because this is the way it's always been done. And so why would we go through the sort mm-hmm. of trouble of being curious? But I think um, for me, at least, that has always been something that has proven to be useful for me. So like a lot of times you'll you know, I'll go down these rabbit holes and, you know, on the, on the one hand, it might look like a complete and utter waste of time, but I can tell you that most times I find some little nugget. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an article, maybe it's a piece of information, maybe it's a video, maybe it's something that I've just kind of found on my journey that I feel like I've been able to then either apply to my own work or recommend to somebody else for their work. Mm -hmm. So like, Oh, you know, I was doing this the other day and I saw this, here is, Here's what I found um, or be able to connect things to um, to my work. I know I do a lot. I'm not a person who goes 
like I can't I'm bored if I just work on one thing mm-hmm. and so I don't get a lot of economies of scale I guess in my time <laughs> um and in fact sometimes when you when I start saying the different things I'm sure people think I'm crazy but for me it works because I am able my there's enough curiosity that I'm able to kind of connect you know my project work here and maybe mm-hmm. this particular engage uh, you know community engagement here mm-hmm. or my classes I'm lucky enough to teach classes that I love that in many uh, cases I've created um, sort of from scratch which is kind of fun and um, and able to tie that to other things that I'm working on so I think curiosity is really big um, I think the other thing that a lot of people don't like so curiosity is great it's got a good you know good PR uh, failure <laughs> not so much Mm. And I think a lot of people fear that and especially in our day and age. But really, if you think about it fundamentally, if you even go back in time and you think about the times in your life when you've learned something, it's because you failed at something. It's because you didn't make a team or you didn't get into your first college choice or you broke up with a guy or he broke up with you or you got in a fight with a best friend or you let a time when you should have said you were sorry go and you didn't say sorry. It can be big. It can be little. But that's really when you learn. And I think a lot of times we've done a disservice to our kids and to our students by Mm -hmm. only focusing on perfection and Mm -hmm. getting A's at all costs and getting on varsity at all costs or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think finding ways to embrace failure um, as a productive learning tool um, now that being said, I will also blame our systems and our society in which we're not set up for that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I remember very vividly, I was doing some work at my kids, uh, my kids school. It's a private school here in Fort Worth. And I do a design thinking class for juniors and seniors. So I team teach it with the head of upper school. And so it was two years ago, it was Halloween and I thought I had a very important thing that I had to talk about because I was talking about failure and the faces of the kids were like you could see the blood draining in their you know in their face and so I didn't know why so the next day I come in I found out why uh, November 1st is early admissions deadline so oh. they're sitting there <laughs> freaking out because all of their college applications are due at midnight that night oh and I'm over God. there talking about failure and how you should embrace it so the fact that the systems oh are not gosh. set up that way is not lost you, on me yeah, yeah. um but I do think if we can find ways to um, to yeah, learn, not from everybody those. has to go into college. You know you exactly. Know. Don't you know? Don't submit that. Admission. Your life will not end if you don't get into Harvard yeah. or yeah. Yale or no whatever. Way. So at any rate, we need you in water. <laughs> we do. Oh uh, wow! I could. I just want to go like hang out. I would tell you your... we could talk about this all day, but we literally we literally have. have. <laughs> I think she wants to go. I guess we should probably <laughs> wrap it up so we can let you go. You know, I'm sure you have other things to do, but. If you find us just hanging out in your lab next week and don't play, okay, yeah, we'll like, let them be. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll uh, we'll start writing on the walls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for being here. We're about to wrap up with our lightning round, though. So yes, uh, okay, in, take it uh, away. This is. I feel like this is a dumb question for you. Whatever she says, read it. What's <laughs> your favorite book? She has literally given us one hundred million books. Of books. What's so your favorite excited. book that you can recommend? To oh my gosh, I don't have a favorite. I got to tell you, I have an Amazon addiction. If you come to my house, <laughs> there is so many books. Like I literally, one entire wall of my office at home 
is filled with books. Nice. I have mm. stacks of books in my room. I've got a whole nother wall in my office. In fact, I was hoping to get like more space. Um, <laughs> I've sold books and, you know, I will tell you it depends. Um, so like right now there's a lot of things in my queue. Um, I'm, I like um, nonfiction. I like, to, I like to read about creativity and yeah, design thinking. Um, right now I just started it. So, you know, TBD, but I'm reading a, a book called Range. And it's on um, basically the value of being a generalist, which I think is fundamental Ooh. to design thinking. So we Hashtag. kind of live in this world of expertise, expertise. Yeah. But what ends up happening is if you're an expert in everything, you don't have the ability to do any kind of cross communication. Yeah. So it's it's so okay. far really interesting. It's pretty new. I think the author's name is David Epstein. Um, I'm also reading a lot about... Um, diversity equity and inclusion and how to integrate that into design thinking because again Ooh. when you're working on big sort of community-wide problems yeah um if you kind of look at traditional designers a lot of them are you know white male designers and mm -hmm. so if i'm going into let's say a school where 90 percent of the students are um students of color and maybe you know or have a high poverty um percentage what does that look like? What yeah. are some of the things that you should um, mm -hmm. kind of think through? So I've got several books on that. So basically, we'll just create a list. I, I can, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'm we'll just, just send you some. I need you to just take a picture of your wall of books and then send that to me, and I'll just start building my list. Yes, but I wish they were organized or semi-organized, but I, it's fine. Um, uh, yeah, season four, epi uh, season four episode. I already say having a chat with you about the diversity and inclusion conversation because yeah. that's very big in our industry right now as well. Okay. Um, during our chat today, you know, I told you that our industry is. 85% male and Caucasian. And so building more diversity and reaching out to more diverse communities to bring people in. Cause we also have sure. this workforce challenge where we have 80 some percent of our people who are up for retirement now or soon. And so how can we bring more people in and more diverse people in? So, uh, yeah. Um, pencil us in for 2020 for another you got chat it. about that. Okay. So what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Oh my gosh, lists. I lists. they make fun <laughs> of me. I my lists, lists have lists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's a little neurotic. Like I have a typed up list of like big things and then I'll have I, I use like the Apple calendar for like the big thing. I don't like Outlooks. So I don't like people putting things on my calendar. Um <laughs> I have use Outlook anymore. Yeah. Uh, I have um I still do like a paper calendar. And so like I have my little things to do like here's to do on Monday or Tuesday. And then I have another just running list of like as I'm thinking about stuff so some days it gets a little crazy where <laughs> now post-it notes go on top of it so the lists have lists but yeah, my lists have become like they're pretty good note cards yeah like, I like the big note card uh, okay make lists out of those okay and then post-its fit right on top of that yes too. yeah so it keeps nice. me it keeps me on top of things I guess or we're, we're all human I love it um Okay, so in our line of work, we would often have, you know, we're all talk trying to deal with behavior change here. And so sometimes we would have people say, well, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. That's not going to change anything. Right. So we obviously wholeheartedly disagree with that. We believe that, you know, one person's change can be contagious or inspire someone else to do, to create change in themselves. So what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Honestly, I think um, based on some stuff that I've been reading lately, it's really to go deep on that problem. Um, I know I sound like a little bit of a broken record, but if you think about 
when you're really solving wicked problems. And by wicked problems, I mean things that are messy and not linear and have a lot of stakeholders and have massive consequences. So things that are facing our world like climate change, water shortages, poverty, food deserts, you name it, all the big ones, right? I think a lot of times we have a tendency to just jump in with solutions. Mm. Um, and a lot, and I mean, there's some very, very, very well-intentioned people who are working in this space where they want to just go in and make a difference and they want to do it immediately. Um, that being said, I think there's a lot of value in, sta- in taking a step back and really trying to understand the problem. I've been reading some stuff and um, watching a couple of uh, TED Talks um, from this woman's work and she sort of talks about it as really valuing lived experiences and so truly understanding the problem at hand before you go any further at all and being okay with not being the hero like being okay to step back and look at the other organizations that are doing the work in that space and and figuring out instead of going into it as how can I be the hero right now instead think about how can I connect or make sure that all of these entities are collaborating in a more effective manner. I think that would actually, um, I think you would. There's some humbleness to that. There Mm -hmm. is, and I I think it would, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it would, we would probably get to solutions faster because a lot of times I feel like we waste a lot of times trying to reinvent things that are already there. Mm -hmm. It's just that the person who's trying to do it didn't take the time to do the due diligence on the problem. Mm. So that would be my thing. Mm. Mm. I like it. (laughs) Okay. Man, today has been like uh, like I died and went to heaven. I got to sit here and talk about design thinking with Stacey, and I got to brainstorm with like some of my favorite people in the room. Y'all say bye. We're about to say bye. 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 But uh, Stacey, so uh, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to to spend with us today and to nerd out. And you are now an honorary member of the Water Nerd Nation, Water Nerd Family. Love it. Welcome. Welcome. And. And, and thanks again. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd Newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.